The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about building the healthcare of tomorrow. If you're just now joining us, we hope you'll follow us and check out our previous episodes, all 200 of them. We're getting close to wrapping up season seven, where we've been writing the consumer health playbook and answering three important questions. Who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? Let us know what you think about this episode and what topics you're dying to hear about in future episodes by reaching out on LinkedIn or Twitter at Healthcare Wrap. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about finger pointing. Physicians say they're unhappy being a part of an industry that they didn't choose to join. But how can we improve the system if no one owns the problems? I'll talk about that. Then Ian Coons is in the house to share some provocative thinking about new models of specialty care. We've talked a lot about innovative primary care models this season, and Ian will tell us how his company, Carew Health, is using some of those same disruptive features building a next-gen value-based model for specialty care. It's time to dive deep. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. It's hard to improve a system if we can't agree on where the problems come from. Ali Parsa, CEO of Babylon, attended the recent annual Conference of America's Physician Groups, or APG, in San Diego. And he was quoted as saying that the sick care system is extremely successful, 20% of GDP. Then why are we not happy? Physicians went into healthcare to help people be healthy. We are unhappy because we're part of an industry we did not choose to join. Now, it should be noted that Parsa is a PhD, not an MD, so I assume that he was speaking for the physician team members at Babylon. But either way, his words undoubtedly reveal the collective ethos of a growing number of clinicians. I, for one, see more physicians saying, don't blame us for the system, we just work here. But it also begs the question, if the industry has become so unrecognizable to clinicians, when and how did it change? Sometimes it feels like the blame carousel never stops spinning in healthcare, with clinicians pointing the finger at big pharma and device manufacturers, health systems staring down payers, and patients throwing up their hands in resignation, all but giving up on pursuing care. Providers say, we just want to practice medicine and help patients. Pharma and device manufacturers say, big life-saving technologies cost big money to develop. Payers say, you think it's bad now? Imagine life without us. And consumers say, for the love, why is this so hard and expensive? In a recent video episode of Hello Healthcare produced by Actium Health, Paul Keckley said, we complain about complexity, but we don't make it any less complex. Now, I'm not entirely sure which we he's referring to. So what's the answer to that? 
If no one takes ownership and everyone says they're in an industry that they didn't choose, where do we go from here? What will incentivize the architects of all the underlying business systems to start talking and developing some shared goals for the good of consumers if we can't even agree on what value-based means? I applaud the APG for holding an annual conference and advocating for value-based care. Every corner of the industry seems to have an advocacy group, which is great as long as it doesn't devolve into echo chambers and tribalism. I haven't sensed any of that from the APG, thankfully. Back to Hello Healthcare, Keckley also said that the post-pandemic system in the U.S. will be reconstructed over the next three to five years in a way that's significantly more changed than we've seen in the past 20 years. Well, I'm ready. How about you? I want consumers to win. I want to have better choices. I want to trust those choices and the systems that make those choices possible. And that's going to require everyone taking ownership for the parts of the system that they can improve. Let's spend less time pointing fingers and more time working towards a shared goal of making healthcare easier and less expensive. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. All right, let's get into the flow, everybody. Give it up for Ian Coons, Ian's co-founder and CEO at Drew Health. Welcome, Ian, to the Healthcare Wrap. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, Zane. Yeah, we've got Zane here, too. What else would you like our listeners to know? And then we'll get going. Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing here is is where Carus started, right? So Carus started about a year plus ago. I got connected to a good friend of mine, Chad Moore. Chad, well-known in the healthcare circle, started kind of a CRO uh, called Elego Health Research. And, and him and I, just like we're doing today, you know, having a conversation amongst kind of executives. And he had mentioned to me that he wanted to do something within cardiovascular care. He was personally affected by it, where his dad had triple bypass and it it really was one of those moments where it just so happened that my best friend had a heart attack and and passed away at 29 and and I have a long family history of cardiovascular disease and and so the light went off and, and I've always thought about you go back and you reflect and you said hey is there a a business or something that I could have done that could have prevented, you know, the sure. death of family members and friends. And and then when you look back at my career of starting a healthcare staffing consulting firm and running growth and MA for some of the largest kind of provider organizations, it really pre- prepared me for Carew to run, you know, kind of Carew. And so we really set out to, you know, do a deeper dive on, you know, we we had this broad stroke of we want to do something in cardiovascular. And it's kind of like, hey, I want to do something in marketing. It's very bright. So we we really set out the last year to do a deep dive on on the care delivery models, the current, you know, kind of status of cardiac care in America and realized we came across, you know, Mark McClellan and the research that he's done. And he was commissioned by the American Heart Association basically to say, why are outcomes getting worse, not better within cardiovascular care where nephrology, oncology, all these other disease states, you know, have made notable changes within outcomes and, you know, kind of NPS and and everything else. And the bottom line is that there's no value-based care, the misaligned incentives with providers. And so we dug a little deeper. We went out to cardiologists all over the country and we said, listen, if you had unlimited time and resources, how would you build a system that, you know, would prevent these admissions. And instead of three minutes with a patient, you would get a half hour and wraparound services. And, you know, we really came up with the Carew model, which is this hybrid delivery model where 
We have these micro clinics of call it two, 3,000 square feet. And then we have the virtual component. So that's nutritionists, health coach, APPs, and then the technology and wearables when appropriate. And so with the combination of this delivery model, we really think, you know, this is the future of, of value-based care. And then the most important piece or one of the most important pieces here is we're not doing any fee-for-service. So we're doing 100% value-based care, putting the patient first and then wrapping them with the services so that they can stop that progression of, of cardiovascular disease. That's so cool. I think it's safe to say this is, that you're describing a next generation of value-based care, especially a specialty care model. And here, what we've really been focusing on lately is the experience for consumers. And so we're really interested in, in the things you're working on here and how you're working to design a better experience for consumers. And we like to make that distinction in that this means you're talking about a healthcare seeker before they become a patient. That's why we use the word consumer so much. And that mean, that's where the majority of healthcare decisions happen and the influences on our care happen way before we become a patient. And so the fact that you can speak to this from an, an experience point of view and from a consumer's point of view, just tell us a lot about how you're setting out to do this. I'd love to hear about where you're headed as the effects of the pandemic start to kind of start to fade and just how you're overall trying to focus on the experience. Like how are you designing something better, a, a better way to encounter the healthcare system? Yeah, so I, I think there's a there's a couple questions there I'll, I'll unpack, Jared. So really starting with, you know, so much of the current fee for service is misaligned incentives between the providers and the health plans at the expense of the patient and the consumer. And the Carew model is completely flipping that where we're putting patient first, but for the first time within cardiovascular care, the providers aren't incentivized to you know, do unnecessary testing. They're not incentivized to spend three minutes with a patient. They're incentivized to spend 30 minutes, 40 minutes and go over the medication management, the nutrition and everything that's necessary that in a supported, really supported way that they haven't seen before uh, or, or experienced. And so how we're currently going to market is we're partnering with you know risk-bearing entities. That's whether it's a a PCP risk-bearing entity like a Chenmed, a Kanoa Oak, or you know, or a MA, which is you know Oscar Clover, someone like that, uh, where we could partner for uh, to put the patient first. So they would ultimately delegate us lives, and we would create that experience in those different locations. So we're currently looking around the country. We have a couple markets in mind. Our idea is to open two in two to three markets in Q1 2023. And we're, we're currently in negotiations with a variety of, of partners to make that happen. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, um, I noticed you know, in the pre-show and even in your introduction, you mentioned that you, got, you all are pursuing a hybrid model. And so both digital and physical, which I think is interesting. And I feel like you know, maybe two years ago, uh, even in the like the infancy stage of digital health, everyone's like healthcare is going digital, all digital. But now, you know, certainly in my work and in Jared's work, and I'm sure in your work, we're seeing like maybe that get pulled back a little bit. So, curious if you could just speak a little bit more about that hybrid model, and I guess 
and this might be a stupid question, but why physical too, in addition to digital? Tell me about that. Yeah. So you can go towards history. I think within healthcare, we get enamored with what's the next great thing. Sure. And so you think about it, Teladoc, Amwell, they were around for 20 years and had utilizations at, I don't know, you guys can verify this, 8, 10%, whatever it was. It wasn't low. High. It was very low forever. And then you had the pandemic and all of a sudden it's at 60% and this is the future. But you've seen that pull back where the utilization today, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is probably 20, 25%, where what it's proven is a virtual delivery model is a supplement to overall care. And that, and that, right. And so in what we're doing in managing complex congestive heart failure patients, specifically within Medicare, you're not going to do that 100% virtually, right? Sure. So it's that hybrid delivery model between in-person, virtual, and then when necessary, the, the wearables and the technology sure. uh, we, we believed is, is the best consumer experience, where certainly within the Medicare population, a lot of them want to go see their physician. And, and there's that seeing them in person and building that relationship as opposed to kind of an informal from a virtual delivery model. And so that's where we think that the future has been. And you've also seen so many of the virtual first companies within our industry that have raised all this money. Sure. Guess what they're doing? They're building brick and mortar now. Or they're right? buying it or acquiring it. Or they're yeah. buying it or acquiring it, right? Because that there's it's a supplement to care. Virtual is an unbelievable enabler of care but it's not the end all be all in the, in, the, in the solution. And so we believe that we have to have this hybrid delivery model. And for us, it's building on ourselves to craft that consumer patient journey that ultimately the patient's been yearning for years and years. So you think about it in, in its current form, a cardiac patient will spend six weeks just trying to get an appointment. So there's an access issue. Then they come in, they have probably three to five minutes with that cardiologist. They know they have to be there. They're a little nervous. And the cardiologist, not to their, you know, not to discredit them, but just the rabbit hole that they're in, they go through and they say, sure. you know, you're on seven medications, take this, work out, be healthy, see you later. Right. And you're left to your own devices. And so we revamped and we said, what's a supported model? where the patient is first, where they can go through and say, here's your medication management, you know, here's your nutrition and here's your care plan in a supported model over time that doesn't currently exist. And that when you walk out this door, you're still going to be part of, you know, the, the crew model and the crew t team, not, you know, you're left to your own to do this alone because right sure. now so much of the cardiovascular patients are going at this alone and they don't need to be, right? Sure. And so by flipping that model from a hybrid specifically, we think, and we've heard that that's the future we think of, of care delivery specifically within cardiovascular disease. In, in other specialties, I think 100% virtual or close is, certainly makes sense, but with complex cardiovascular disease, the, the hybrid model is, is certainly the way we wanna go. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. <laughs> 
Hey, listen up, y'all. Did you know that nearly 60% of people wish their healthcare provider sent them more relevant health information? And 42% would even consider switching to a different provider that sent them more, according to a recent survey of patients in the U.S. The vast majority of them would prefer to get that information via email or text. Persado is a natural language AI company that provides healthcare organizations with pre-developed, pre-optimized messaging journeys proven to build digital relationships, improve health goals, and increase patient retention. Deliver better health outcomes and revenue growth with Persado's data-driven content that inspires action. Visit persado.com to learn more. That's persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com to find out how Persado can help. Justin Knott here with the Patient Convert Podcast, your weekly dose of healthcare marketing growth strategies, co-hosted by Justin and Kelly Knott. This is perfect for physicians, practice owners, healthcare entrepreneurs, and healthcare executives. We are breaking down what practices and healthcare organizations should be doing to grow, reach, and retain patients. There's so much confusion and so many options out there around what you should be focusing on to grow your practice, and we're breaking down each week what really works. We're bringing real-world application, case studies, and interviews from leading growth-minded physicians and healthcare executives. So catch us weekly on your favorite listening platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Okay, back to the flow. It's a lot of sense. And I love that you're speaking to the consumer experience, the also call it the provider experience. And so I'm curious, especially with your recruiting background, what has been the reaction from, you know, call it specialists, so cardiologists and, and crew in this model, that, this crew health model that you're proposing? Do they want to come work with you? Is it going to be, a, going to be an issue for you to recruit? Because technology and physical buildings aside, if you don't have the specialists, you got nothing to enable the care. And so talk to me about that. You think about it, the, the cardiologists and, and through our deep dive, you know, we spent the better mm. part of the year talking to cardiologists all over. They don't like the current system. They don't want to work in the current system, you know, but a lot of them have been working for so long and there's a financial threshold in which they have to provide for their family. Right. And, and they want to do something and the burnout within cardiology is highest now than it ever has been. And so when you think about it, the average cardiologist, depending on where they may spend five minutes with a patient, maybe. And, and that's from the time that the MA takes them back to, to actual Know, kind of verbally, you know, from a consultation. And so our proposal is saying, hey, you're going to prov- uh, provide care how you want to, mm-hmm. but you're also from a financial standpoint, you're going to make the same amount of money that you were previous making, seeing half as many patients and delivering the kind of care that you want to. So we've gotten overwhelmingly positive and cardiologists that that want to come on board to to join Carew as we build this. That's really interesting. From time to time, we have kind of staffing and recruiting discussions here. Uh, We have a good friend, Kelly Gill, who recruits for a lot of health systems. 
And so I'm curious, and this is more of a joke, but I'm curious if Karoo Health is going to be yet another disruptor that's pulling from hospital systems and, and in particular, maybe poaching uh, some very high-priced cardiologists who ultimately you know, make the money for these hospital systems. The cardiology, we all know, funds most of the lost leaders within a health system. We all know that, right? But I think we are at an inflection point where you're seeing across the country and geographies I won't name, there is, you know, 10, 20, 30 of these cardiologists that are leaving the health system. And that's only going to be expedited if those models don't change because the current fee-for-service model, the patient outcomes hasn't gotten any better. And so there is that need. So, you know, we'll ultimately, a lot of the doctors that want to work for Carew are coming from from health systems, both health systems and private practice, right? But we will be partnering with health systems in the, in the sense that we are non-invasive cardiologists, right? Delivering the best care that we can. But ultimately, there is a subset of our population that they're going to need care and the right care. And so when that care is appropriate, we want to partner with the best, you know, EPs and cardiac surgeons in, in our area. So there will be a, a, you know, kind of a partnerships with local health systems as well. As we've been monitoring, you know, the increasing number now, it seems like, call it like specialty care disruptors are getting into the space. Um, Jared and I have been wondering, like, Ben, what is the future of hospital systems? Like, obviously, I don't think at Crew Health, y'all are doing heart transplants, but it's good to know that you still see that partnership for more invasive and higher acuity things to be sent to more incumbents in the market. Yeah, I mean, listen, great care is great care, right? Sure. You just have to, there's great surgeons everywhere and, and we need to be mindful of that. And, and from a, a disruptor, I think it's yeah moving stuff out of the hospital or the unnecessary. I'll, I'll tell you a story. We have one of our chief medical advisors runs a 45 block practice in New York. And maybe six months ago, he was on call for his group and I asked him, you know, how the weekend went just in, in, in passing conversation. And he said, you know, Ian, I had 55 admissions, cardiac admissions this weekend, 55. So just wow. do the math, five, $10,000, you know, whatever it costs to go in. And I asked him, I said, of the 55, how much of these are avoidable? And he said, 75%. So wow. when you think about that, 75% of those 55 don't need to be there or shouldn't have if they had a model like Carew, you know, caring, but the 25 that it's appropriate, maybe not to the ER, but we would have caught it earlier where we would have referred them to best care. So that patient experience is streamlined from us to our partners within narrower network. That makes a lot of sense. So Ian, where do you see yourself going in like the next maybe two, three, four years? Obviously, the cardiovascular space, there's massive issues in the United States, uh, Mexico to Canada. I mean, I think we all eat pretty terribly on this side of the ocean. And so, you know, how big are you all trying to go? What's the vision? You all trying to change the world? Yeah, you know, I think we have the opportunity, given you had pointed out saying cardiovascular disease is the number one killer, latest spend I saw was impact to the system was 400 billion per year. That number is supposed to go to a trillion by 2035. Mm-hmm. If we don't do something like Carew, right? If there's not, and, and not just we're the only solution, but similar models uh, collectively as a specialty. 
And so, you know, we believe that we will be one of the most important healthcare companies in the United States, caring for millions of people. But our goal is to open two to three, you know, markets starting, you know, Q1. And then ultimately the longer vision to affect more patients and bring this model truly to the masses is a combination between Carew owned centers Mm -hmm. and then taking the data analytics, taking the contracting, taking the clinical workflows that are developed homegrown and empowering and partnering with the enablement of cardiology practices across the country that they can convert to you know, value-based care, managing to great, right? Taking a thousand cardiologists as part of a network and converting them to the value-based care model, the consumer-driven approach that that Carew has taken to make sure that people live their best lives. Love that. When we think about, you know, Carew and what you all are bringing to market, are there proprietary pieces to what you're bringing? So are you all going to be working on, to your point, like some, I'll we'll call it care algorithms or data analytics, or is it a telehealth tool that you're going to create? Or are you just bringing in stuff that can be acquired and packaging it in a way that no one's done before? Yeah, Tell so it, it's the technology and it's the end-to-end solution, right? Where, okay. where you have now is you have the niches, whether it's virtual cardiac rehab, you have preventative, let's call it Omada Health, which they've done an unbelievable job of tracking or a Lavongo, but the piecing together the end-to-end solution within the data analytics, within the clinical workflows, and more importantly, value-based care. It doesn't really exist within cardiovascular care, where it's been adopted PCP specialists are years and years behind. And we'll really be the first to bring that to market where we're not taking any fee for service from day one. So we're not incentivized in a fee-for-service model to do things that's not for the patient because we're partnering with health plans as a provider, putting the patient first. That's pretty revolutionary. What is it like working with health plans directly? So a lot of, a lot of folks that listen to this podcast are usually more on the health system side. And I'll confess some of us have less payer experience. And so it's got to be you know, a little bit intimidating talking to these folks and, and pitching your work and your credentials. What, what's, what's that process been like? Yeah, it's been really well received. Mm-hmm. You, you think about it where some of the biggest spend of health plans is cardiovascular spend, right? So in order for them to deliver to their members, they need solutions. But up until this point, up until Carew really coming out, there's not the cardiovascular value-based solutions that have come to market. Ian, what are some other things as a, you know, call it a digital-enabled CEO that you're focusing on or keeping an eye to you know, when we think broadly in the market here? What keeps you up at night or what's interesting to you? Yeah, I mean, outside of my kids keeping me up at night, <laughs> you know, I think it's really how from one for me a a recruitment how i can deliver the care that could have saved my best friend well i think that's you know what we're focused on right is is that consumer and patient experience and then everything else from you know outcomes that'll fall into place and then from our recruitment right you know we're early and, and part of our success is getting out there but getting really talented driven people to join Carew early in it, in our in our journey and get those believers. And we certainly have with our investors, right? Our mentors, 
have all kind of taken the pill and said, Hey, we're all in with you. And, and so mm-hmm. we're fortunate and blessed and we've done this to a certain degree before. So we've had some, some success, but you know, it, it's a combination of that. And then just putting the noise, blocking the noise. I, I think with a lot of noise within healthcare specifically, you know, in digital health, every single day is something new and flashy and, and everything else. And I think we sometimes get enamored with the, that, whatever that solution of the day is. And I think taking a, a step back to kind of say, what's patient first, what's within the current system? Because quite frankly, I heard something, this must've been 20 years ago, but somebody said, you know, hey, if the technology is here, why isn't it, you know, disrupting and helping patients? And they said, well, you know, regulatory, we're probably 20 years behind where the technology. Yeah. So by the time technology gets there, it's out of date by the time the regulatory is there. Love that. And you know, one thing I've observed over the years, you know, chatting with innovators and startups in healthcare is a lot of them have, you know, similar stories to you where, you know, something of significance happened in their life and it's now inspired them to go out and change the health system. So really applaud, you know, the work that you're doing, the story that you're telling and the vision that you bring to the American health system, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, you have to have that passion. If you're going to work 24 mm-hmm. seven, invest everything that you have into this, you have to have connection or, or be passionate. If, if you're not, then it's never going to work. You yeah. know, I'll tell you an anecdotal kind of side story. Many years ago, we found a potential business in, in med spas, right? There was a technology, we were going to do it. And we really went down this path and we thought from a financial perspective, it would have been fantastic. It would have been innovative. And then as we were about to launch and get more funding or get funding to begin with, we looked at each other and we were like, none of us care about med spa industry at all. Like that's just, it does, we can't dedicate our lives to this. And so it, it goes to your point where having a family history, having one of my best friends pass away, having co-founders that have been through it. And the fact of the matter is, is that 50% or close to 50% of Americans are affected by cardiovascular disease in one way or another, whether it's high blood pressure or congestive heart failure or, or something similar, right? And it's only going to progress if we don't change the delivery models, you know, from a sick care system to, to ultimately a healthcare system. Absolutely. Love it. And yeah, it's been uh, so fun to hear that founder's energy, I think is how we, we think of it. You know, the that true problem-solving focus and the mission-based side of it. You have to go so deep and understand the current business side of things to understand how to solve it. And I I feel like you described both sides of that, where things are and where you'd like to see them. I I think that that dichotomy is something that I hear from a lot of founders and I really appreciate that. Uh, We want to give you a chance before we wrap here to point us to anywhere where if listeners want to connect with you, what's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, best place is LinkedIn. They can connect with, with me personally and then follow Karoo Health the crew health page for, for updates and locations that will be opening here hopefully in Q1 2023. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app, then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare App is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health content network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at Shift.Health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.